The following is a Westminster Seminary, California morning devotion given by a guest speaker. The statements, views, and opinions presented in this message are those of the speaker and do not necessarily reflect the opinions of Westminster Seminary, California. For more information about Westminster Seminary, California, visit us online at wscal.edu or call 888-480-8474. That's online, wscal.edu, or call 888-480-8474. We finish our series uh, of asking graduating seniors to bring morning devotions for us. We have the privilege this morning of hearing from Justin DeBerry. So thank you, Justin, for bringing God's word to us. Good morning. If you have your Bible, let's open to the Gospel of John. Be in the Gospel of John, chapter 16. And we'll be reading verse 33. I have said these things to you, that in me you may have peace. In the world you have tribulation, but take heart, I have overcome the world. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we do ask that you send your Holy Spirit right now. We ask that you would give us illumination into your word, um, Lord, and that you would change us by your spirit more into the image of Christ today for your glory. And for the sake of Christ, we ask. Amen. Like most of you, I've been spending a lot of time in the library lately, Uh, a lot of time listening to my uh, Pandora, my box station on Pandora, and Pandora still thinks I'm in Arizona, I never changed my zip code, and so they they just loop this ad over and over again about this community in Arizona, this planned community that, uh, you know, it's, it's a park for the kids, it's you know, fenced in from the world, it's, it's gated, and, and uh, you know, you can, you can walk the streets, there's grass, there's playgrounds, there's big lot houses, it's just idyllic community that they're selling. And, you know, at first, when I, when I hear it come on, I just, you know, quickly, kind of an annoyance, hit my mute button on my computer, like, okay, just wait for the next song to come on. But then after a while, as the semester has kind of gone on and things are getting a little, you know, more overwhelming, now it's become kind of soothing, actually. When it comes out, it's like, oh, that sounds nice. I could go for that. Um, And, you know, before we too quickly dismiss an ad like that as sort of worldly and unbiblical, um, I think we have to admit that they're on to something. They're onto something. I mean, the tagline of the ad is, it's not just a place to live, it's a place for life. I mean, that's pretty good. <laughs> and, you know, there's a very natural yearning that we have as image bearers of God for that sort of peace, that security, that sense of poise that we want to have. And, and really, they're picking up on The world is sort of picking up on that. Um, That ad is meant to be good news. This community can provide those things. Now, the problem, obviously, is that the source of the hope in that sense, the source of the peace, is not worthy of our hope. It's subject to loss. They can't guarantee that really there's going to be a deep sense of peace that comes. There may be times of that or, or hints of that. But we know as Christians that all of our strivings for peace outside of the person of Christ 
will ultimately vanish. We may have hints of them. We may experience good blessings of peace and security, poise, calm, comfort. But they're always temporary. They're always temporary. And in our passage, Jesus roots our hope for peace in himself. In himself. And he gives promises so that there would surely and absolutely be a result of peace in our hearts. Yes, according to Romans 5.1, we have been justified by faith and have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. That is objective. That is true. But Christ also wants us to experience that peace in the midst of tribulation in the world. Indeed, that's what he prays for in John 17. Not that we would be taken out of the world, but that we would be kept from the evil one. And we would experience Christ in the midst of tribulation. So in John's account of the upper room scene, he certainly has an emphasis on comfort, encouragement. But all of that is in the context of impending difficulty, impending trouble. And let's be honest, the disciples have every reason to be anxious at this point. They have every reason to be anxious. Here they are facing a very confusing, devastating prospect of losing Peace himself, the Prince of Peace. And our Lord knew that. He knew what was coming in their life, confusing, difficult events um, that would happen to his friend. And that's, that's why he speaks to them. That's why he prays for them. And he knows our weakness as well. He knows our confusion. He knows the frailty of our faith and how frail it really is at times. I mean, how many of you can get through one day, even one hour, without getting anxious about something? I, I don't even have to try. And, and I'm just, you know, without even consciously trying, I'm doubting the goodness of God. I'm doubting that he loves me. I'm doubting that he is governing my life wisely. You know, if you think about a glass of water, it doesn't take much to disturb the peace of that glass of water. If you just bump the table a little bit, it's going to rock. And that's kind of like how we are. It doesn't take much in terms of external difficulties and problems to really disrupt us, disrupt our peace. And as we think about anxiety, it's really the opposite of peace. It's not primarily a love issue of the heart, it's a trust issue. It's fundamentally a lack of trust in God's wise governing. Um, you know, stress, we, we sometimes talk about it that way, I'm stressed out. Anxiety is really the, it's a blinking light on the dash that's telling us something's wrong. Something's wrong inside. It's warning us when we feel anxious. It's like a mob rioting in the streets of your heart. It's a disturber of the peace. Anxiety. It's this enemy. Now, what causes it? Well, surely many things, but one would be the fear of the unknown, and that's certainly present here in John 16, isn't it? The unknown, not knowing what's going to happen, not having a clear sense of that. And in the book of Numbers, you might remember, Israel plods along in the wilderness, and they're not too sure either about God's goodness. They're not sure about God's good intentions in bringing them into the promised land. We're not really sure that you're going to be able to handle that, God. And so in Numbers 13 through 14, they... You know, Israel asks God, can we send spies? And God says, okay. But the spies return, and they themselves have a faithless report. They don't believe, even though they saw the goodness of the land. 
And then the people cry out, would that we had died in the land of Egypt, or would that we had died in the wilderness. Why is the Lord bringing us into this land to fall by the sword? And you notice not only that, but they immediately look to somebody else to solve the problem. They look to a good blessing, a leader, to solve the issue. They say, let us choose a leader and go back to Egypt. So, here we have, seemingly, a horizontal problem. They're mad at Moses. They're mad at Aaron. They're mad at, you know, the circumstances. We're in the wilderness. And, And what does God say? His response is telling He says, how long will this people despise me? Me. So it's a vertical issue too. First and foremost, that that complaining, that anxiety, that lack of trust is is a vertical issue with God. And it plays out in the horizontal. And friends, there will always be intersections of trouble and difficulty in your life that tempt you to look away from God to other things, to find peace, often to blessings, to good things. What is it that you find yourself wanting when life gets stressful? Is it demanding more from a certain person in your life? They're not doing enough. I need them to do this. Is it you just want new stuff? And that kind of massages things and and makes it go away. Material things. Is it craving too much leisure time? We know leisure's good, and that's the rhythm of our life, work and leisure, but is it craving it too much? Or is it simply wanting a less difficult life, a lack of contentment? You see, the enemy would love for you to latch on to the blessings of God as substitutes for Christ. He would love that. We, like Israel, just naturally look to the things around us for efficacy, for power, to give us peace. And they, they don't have that power in the deepest sense. And it's interesting, you know, in these intersections of our life, the battle, the spiritual battle, is intense. So much so that Jesus says in John 16, 1, I tell you these things to keep you from falling away. So it's serious. And then gladly, Jesus does say in our passage, he says, in me, you will find peace. While Israel's national shalom was held out as a temporary earthly blessing, it pointed to a greater eschatological blessing in the Messiah that only he would bring, a peace that would never be subject to loss. Now, this in me language, it's, it's grammatically, I think, referring to a close association, a union. You see the type, this type of language throughout John 13 through through 17, um, John fourteen twenty says, In that day you will know that I am in the Father, and you in me, and I in you. John fifteen four, As the branch cannot bear fruit by itself unless it abides in the vine, neither can you unless you abide in me. Interestingly, peace, according to Paul in Galatians 5, is a fruit of the Spirit. Maybe another analogy is, is helpful here. Musicians will talk about being in tune. If your instrument's in a certain musical frequency, as long as you know how to play it, actually, it will produce a good result. It will produce a harmonious result if you're in tune. You don't want to be out of tune. Well, 
The same goes for us. The more that our hearts are in tune with Christ, the more that we are feeding on his word, the more that there will be a a positive result, a positive fruit of peace. Now, to help fight against the inevitable tribulations, persecutions, Jesus is a realist, this is coming, okay? He just rolls out one promise after another. (laughs) It's God's promises that are the soil out of which peace grows. And so Jesus gives us, and just listen to these, I just picked a few, but wonderful promises that he gives us. I have chosen you that you should go and bear fruit. I go to prepare a place for you. I will take you to myself. If you ask me anything in my name, I will do it. I will ask the Father, and he will give you another helper to be with you forever. And this one really just astonishes me. I mean, to think about Jesus going to the Father, loving us so much that he actually goes to the Father and asks the Father for the Holy Spirit to come and be with us when he's gone. Just amazing. My peace I give to you, not as the world gives, do I give it to you. And finally, I have overcome the world. Now, one thing you notice in all those promises is all the eyes. I. Jesus is saying, you can't have my blessings without me. They're all attached to me. And you don't get to me without the gospel. And without the Holy Spirit. Now, what's amazing is that Jesus gives these promises, and yet he's already made provision for the fact that we're not always going to cling to them. We're going to get anxious. We're going to fail. He says in John 15, 3, Already you are clean because of the word that I have spoken to you. And he's actually leaving them to go accomplish that. That's the whole point. But he has washed them. We are clean. For those who are in Christ, every anxious thought is already forgiven. God doesn't remember it anymore. That's what's true. And the one that we are now united to, that we are in union with, he walked perfectly in the peace of God. Always doing the will of his Father. Never giving in to sinful fear or anxiety, even in the most terrible of tribulation. Beyond what we will ever face. And now you have inherited his victory. It is yours by grace. The trials in our lives are real. And they can cause great pain. But in an eternal sense, even the worst of them are bullets that just can't pierce our armor. They can't do anything to us. John Calvin says, uh, commenting on this verse, Fighting under the banner of Christ... We are beyond all danger, even in the midst of the combat. What a comfort. So just a few practical thoughts to close. The rioters in our hearts, they take many forms. Uh, Especially when you're in seminary, especially in the academy, especially in ministry. The next paper is always due. The next article, the next book needs to be written. The next sermon needs to be preached. There's always something there that that is worthy, in a sense, of caring about, wanting to do well. That can be a temptation to anxiety. But the call for us is to rest. 
It's to rest in the finished work of Christ. Because when you rest, when you abide, when you trust in him, you put up an impenetrable fortress against the invasion of fear and anxiety. You put up the drawbridge. It can't come in. When you are rested and content and at peace in Christ. Now, rest doesn't mean passivity. That's sometimes hard for us to think about rest as we think about it as passive, not active. But it is active. It's renewing your mind in what is true. It's praying your worries. How many times do we think and just are in our own heads all day, thinking and worrying about things when we could just pray those? God hears. He's personal. He understands. Rest means putting to death the desire to control. I think culturally, man, this is something that all of us are just inculcated in and we don't even know it. That that we're really the captain of our ship. We decide our life. And one of the greatest things that we can learn, especially those going into ministry, is how to bend our will to God's. That will save us so much much anxiety. As God directs us and guides our steps that we say, okay, this is where I'm going. Friends, the one who learns the peace of Christ is the one who will be fruitful in all God calls you to do, whether that's in the church or in the world. But when we are at peace, when we are resting and abiding in Christ, then we are free. We are free to be fruitful and to live out our callings, no matter where that might be. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, thank you that you have given us this word as we overhear Jesus talking to his disciples. Lord, what a blessing it is. We ask that you would make it effective in our hearts. That, Lord, we would walk out no matter what faces us today, tomorrow, um, thinking upon the gospel, thinking upon the peace that we have with you in in Christ our Lord. We pray that you would do that um, in Jesus' name. Amen. Copyright 2015, Westminster Seminary, California. All rights reserved. You are permitted to reproduce and distribute this material in any format, provided that you do not alter the wording in any way and that you do not charge a fee beyond the cost of reproduction. For web posting, a link to this document on our website is preferred.